0: Welcome to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast, a series dedicated to helping cancer survivors get beyond the disease and live happy, healthy lives. I know it's possible because I'm doing just that. So thanks for joining me. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Maria Barnes, and this is the introductory episode to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast. I decided to do this series because I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I put myself into remission from terminal stage four metastatic breast cancer and want to share my story so that others can benefit from what I've been through. I really feel that if I can heal myself, anyone can. You just need to know how. So I'm pleased to be kicking off this series, which is based on my first book, Put Cancer Behind You. My intent is to use this platform to share insights and information from those who helped me in my journey, and still do, as well as introduce you to others who have a lot to say about how to get healthy and stay healthy. I'll start by sharing some background on who I am and what led me to write my books and develop this series. I'm the oldest girl in a family of eight kids. I have one older brother and six younger siblings. I was born in Youngstown, Ohio, and when I was growing up, because my dad worked in sales for an international company, we moved around. Besides living in Ohio and New Jersey, we spent six years in Europe, two years in Lucerne, Switzerland, and then four years in Luxembourg. After that, we came back to the States for a few years before moving down to Sao Paulo, Brazil, when I was a freshman in high school. Sao Paulo was a great time for me. I absolutely loved it and it was difficult to move back to Ohio after a year. But despite the trauma of leaving good friends behind with each move, all in all, I had a wonderful childhood. Not all of my siblings were as thrilled as I was to live overseas, but I really enjoyed it, and I'm still in touch with childhood friends from everywhere we lived. It's been a joy and a real blessing. After high school, I went to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. I also spent my junior year abroad at the Sorbonne in Paris. Once I came back and graduated from Miami with a BA in International Studies and a BA in French, I moved to Washington, D.C. My goal was to either work for the State Department or at National Geographic. As fate would have it, I never did either. My first job after college was as a waitress, and while I was waiting tables, I looked for a full time job. Eventually, I was hired by a small Hispanic owned firm that had multiple contracts with a variety of federal agencies. I was there about a year and then moved on to a larger company that assigned me to a contract with the Navy. While I learned a lot from those experiences, the work was definitely not creative enough. So after a few years, I decided to go back to school. That's how I ended up getting a master's degree in film and video from the American University in Washington, D.C., which is what launched my career in media. The thing is, once I had my degree, instead of going to work at National Geographic, I ended up producing and directing a lot of different types of video programs for a lot of different clients. Since I've spent my entire adult life living in the Washington, D.C. area, which is a federal government town, most of my clients were also government agencies. I spent 20 years working with the Navy and traveled quite a bit with them. I also produced an award-winning independent film, worked on a variety of public television programs, and produced informational and educational shows for local cable companies. It was just a real mix, and I loved all of it. I had a great time and met and worked with some wonderful people. In the late 1990s, I finally met the love of my life, and in July 2000, Kevin Barnes and I got married. I have to say that life at that point was really good. My parents and his were still alive, I was enjoying my work, and it was a happy time. So when did cancer show up for me? Well, it had first become an issue in the 1970s when both of my grandmothers died from it. My dad's mom passed away in 1976 from kidney cancer, and my maternal grandmother left us the following year after a long bout of metastatic breast cancer. After that, everyone was healthy for roughly 20 years. But in 1996, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and three years later, so was my sister Katie. Given that our maternal grandmother had died from breast cancer and our mom was surviving it, Katie's oncologist had her tested for a cancer gene. It came back positive for the breast cancer 2, or BRCA2 gene. My mom got tested, and her results were positive as well. At that point, we all assumed that her mother, my grandmother, had had the gene also it became clear that all eight of us kids were at higher risk for getting cancer. Even still, I never believed I had the cancer gene and never worried about getting the disease. I was just too busy living my life to spend any time thinking about it. But in 2005, I noticed that I wasn't as energetic as I had been. In fact, I was beginning to get tired a lot. I'd wake up in the morning and after breakfast, I'd be ready to go right back to bed. It was also a strange kind of tiredness, one that... I had never felt before a really profound tiredness. But I still never gave it a second thought. I never questioned it. I'd just drink more coffee and keep on going. That all changed in the summer of 2006. Kevin and I went back to Europe that summer, first to Luxembourg to visit old friends and hang out, and then on to Lisbon, Portugal, where we were going to attend his high school reunion. He'd lived there for four years as a teenager, and his class reunion was taking place in Caixcaix, outside of Lisbon. As we were leaving the States and going to Luxembourg, Kevin came down with something like the flu and was sick the entire time we were in Luxembourg. He kicked it, but then I got sick with it a day or two after we landed in Lisbon and did not kick it. In fact, my immune system went down really quickly and stayed down. I got so sick that I was afraid I'd need to be hospitalized in Lisbon. Fortunately, that didn't happen. But at the end of our week's stay there, As I was lying in bed going in and out of consciousness, I felt the lump in my breast. Given my family history, I knew exactly what it was. Because both my mom and sister were surviving cancer, I wasn't really worried. You know, at that point, I was just actually too sick to care. So when we got back to the States, I went to the doctor and was immediately diagnosed with pneumonia. It took a good round of antibiotics, but I recovered. After that, I went for tests and was diagnosed with breast cancer. With my family history all the doctors believed i had the brca 2 gene as well but i don't i was tested twice and have had a lot of additional testing to see if my cancer has anything to do with genetics it doesn't sometimes you're the one who gets the short end of the stick so 2006 was the beginning of my cancer journey i had a lumpectomy went through chemo did six weeks of radiation And then my oncologist put me on what I call the five-year plan for drugs. But the side effects were brutal. And even before the year was out, I had to get off everything. Fast forward to 2017, exactly 10 years after I ended my treatments. I woke up one morning with a terrible backache, and I wondered what the heck I'd done while I was asleep to cause so much pain. I couldn't come up with anything. So I sat on pillows for a few days and then decided to go get a CT scan of my spine. And that's when I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. At the time, I did not know that metastatic cancer, which carries the same genetic makeup as the first tumor, is considered stage 4 and terminal. So when my oncologist delivered that news, it was not what I wanted to hear. She told me that although they had drugs to extend my life, they could not cure me. The funny thing was that as I was sitting there with her, I just knew deep inside that the future she was laying out for me was not going to happen. Deep down inside, I knew right then and there that I would not die from cancer. I didn't know how it would play out, but I had faith. I understood that I could relax, knowing that it would sort itself out. Once I was re-diagnosed, I did go back on chemo. Thankfully, it was a pill and not an infusion, and I had to take a few more drugs as well. But I've never been against what modern medicine can do for me because it's bought me the time I needed to wrap my head around all of it and figure out my path forward. I did know that there always comes a point in time in every cancer journey, if you go long enough, that big pharma just can't help you any longer. So what do you do then? You get spiritual. That's what led to me writing my first book. In 2014, I had actually signed up with a company to write the book. I wanted it to be a primer on A Course in Miracles because I had been a student of the course since 2003 and felt I could share what I had learned. But when I sat down to write it, I didn't know how. I had written a lot of scripts in my career, but never a self-help book. I was at a loss as to how to do it. So when another long-term gig came up, I just ended up shelving the entire project. When I was re-diagnosed in 2017, knowing that my career in media was, for the most part, going to go by the wayside, at least for a while, I signed up with a firm called the Author Incubator in Washington, D.C. to learn how to write that genre of book, and then write it, which is what I did. So back to spirituality. When I was told that my cancer would be terminal, I knew intuitively that if I was going to stay on this earth, I needed to get back to being more loving and forgiving. For the record, I was raised Catholic, and religion and faith had always been a big part of my family's life. My dad had studied to be a priest, and my mom had studied to be a nun, so we were certainly introduced to the teachings of the church as kids. And while we were living in Europe, my parents took us to a lot of historic cathedrals. Every vacation, they'd pack us into the car and off we'd go to places like the Vatican, Lourdes in France, and Fatima in Portugal. And although I was never a devout Catholic, even as a kid, I loved being in the old cathedrals with their huge stained glass windows and stone columns. I loved their art, all the statues, the gargoyles, and the paintings. I loved the altars. We would light candles, say a prayer, and walk around in awe of all the saints who were buried off in some corner. They were all very interesting, lovely places to spend time, and I felt peaceful there. It just gave me a sense of place, of history, of being aligned with God. I always felt secure, and I have to say I truly felt I had faith, that I knew what faith was, just being in there. Lord knows my parents had a lot of faith, with so many kids they had to, and that's one of the positive beliefs I did take from them, that everything would be okay. I want to add that my faith was not based in the traditional religious teachings of the Catholic Church, at least not the ones I had been introduced to, I knew God created and loved me, but I did not believe in all the talk about different types of sin, the guilt, the suffering, and the punishment that awaited sinners. I also never agreed with the way women have been and still are treated by the church. None of that resonated with me. What I was interested in was everything metaphysical and mystical. And when I was a freshman in high school, I came across a book about the psychic known as The Sleeping Prophet a man by the name of Edgar Casey, and that's the book that started me on my path. Edgar was born in 1877 in Kentucky and later moved to Virginia. He was a photographer by trade, but was able to go into trance and give readings from the Akashic Records. The Akashic Records are a collection of all universal events, thoughts, words, and emotions that have ever occurred. In short, it's the energetic record of everything. Edgar was able to lie down, go into trance, and read people's records and relay information to them, either about a past life or a disease and how to treat it. Whatever the issue was, he helped them. Edgar gave over 14,000 readings, mostly about health, but he also addressed reincarnation and ancient civilizations like Atlantis, Lemuria, and Egypt. It was fascinating reading, and all of that did resonate with me. I began to pour through his health readings, and even today— I still used them. So Edgar Casey was pivotal in my young life. The next author to influence me was Jane Roberts. During my junior year abroad in Paris, I used to frequent the Shakespeare and Company bookstore on the left bank. It was there that I came across one of her books entitled The Nature of Personal Reality. The title intrigued me, but so did the content. Jane was a trance channel, and she channeled Seth. His discussions were all about consciousness— and how we create our reality. The Seth books, as they are known, are a great read. In my quest to learn more about life from a different perspective, I read everything Jane Roberts ever wrote. I also read everything I could find on angels and ancient civilizations. I read all of Neil Donald Walsh's Conversations with God series, Everything by Wayne Dyer. And finally, in 2003, I bought Gary Renard's first book, The Disappearance of the Universe. He really had me at that mind-blowing title, and the book did not disappoint. It was that book which ultimately led me to A Course in Miracles. Over the years, I had picked up A Course in Miracles many times, and had even read Marianne Williamson's Return to Love, which is based on the course. But for some reason, it wasn't until I read Gary's book that I had a clear understanding of what the course is all about. And so once I'd finished his book, I went out and bought the course and started reading it as well as doing the daily lessons. And I'm still reading it and doing the daily lessons. In 2019, as I was writing my Course in Miracles primer, Put Cancer Behind You, I came across Tina Louise Spalding, another trance channel who channels Jesus. At the time, he was coming through with commentary on each of the 365 lessons in the course textbook. It was absolutely amazing to hear him comment on what he had dictated back in the 60s and early 70s. Everything he said about each lesson was current and relevant. So it was while I was sitting at my kitchen table, writing Put Cancer Behind You and listening to Tina Channel Jesus, that I went into remission from terminal cancer. I never ate anything special, I never took any drug, or did anything else to get into remission. It just happened. So what made that possible? Well, if I was going to stay healthy, that was a question I had to answer. I started to listen carefully to what Jesus was saying about frequency and began doing some research. And it all led me to a basic understanding of how the universe works. What I learned is that everything that exists is energetic. Physical matter as well as thoughts and emotions. Everything vibrates at a particular energetic frequency. The faster that is, the higher the vibration, and love is the highest vibration of all. It became obvious to me that I had raised my frequency up from that of disease to that of good health and a healthy immune system, and I did it by changing my thoughts and beliefs, by thinking about and feeling love, and by forgiving. Everything I was writing about in my book and focused on had put me in a state of grace, And that's how I healed. Since then, I have learned that to get sick, you have to project a frequency that matches the frequency of disease. Cancer, like all disease, has a low vibrational frequency, but I had to be a match to it in order to develop it. So to be blunt, you cannot get sick from anything without being a match to it energetically. It's the universal law of attraction at work. You literally reap what you sow. That realization was eye-opening, to say the least. Now, I work every day to maintain a healthy immune system and keep a high vibrational frequency. That means I'm still a student of A Course in Miracles, and what a pleasure it is. It's the most loving book I've ever read, and if you were to immerse yourself in it and focus on love, there's no doubt that you would raise your frequency too, and your life would improve. A Course in Miracles showed me that anyone can heal themselves from any disease at any stage of the disease. I did that. Will you? That depends on whether you believe it's possible and are willing to let go of the negative thoughts and beliefs that brought the disease to you in the first place. That's how healing happened for me. Was it spiritual healing? Yes, absolutely. Was it pure physics? Yes, absolutely. So that's my story. I know that if I can heal myself by raising my frequency and keep myself well— You can. I stay high vibe in order to stay healed. Yes, it takes focus, it takes faith, and it takes love. But with those, the sky's the limit. So I hope you enjoy this series. It's designed to give you practical information to help you lead a healthy life and a bit of the mystical to feed your soul and support you on your journey through this amazing time and space. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you tune in and enjoy the series. God bless and keep you. Thank you for listening to Put Cancer Behind You with Maria Barnes. So you won't miss a single episode, we hope you'll follow our program on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us at mariabarnes.net, on Facebook at Put Cancer Behind You, on Twitter at PCBY01, or on Instagram at Maria Barnes PCBY. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know is in need of cancer coaching, Maria is here to help. We'll see you next time. Copyright 2022, Maria Barnes, LLC. All rights reserved.